Dave's going to come and he's going to preach for us. This is a guy who's been planning a missions trip and writing a sermon. He's got all kinds of things on the go. Uh, just as a heads up, what we're doing this series is that we are each as a staff team preaching through the exact same passage of Scripture. So you're going to hear the Lord's Prayer is the passage of Scripture. You're going to hear us preach on that for six consecutive weeks, but it's going to be from a different voice each week. Uh, and so we're just really excited to see how God speaks to us and through us uh, throughout this series. Jamie kicked it off last week and did an excellent job. Dave is up this week. He's, he's going to do an excellent job. It's going to be great. And uh, it's, it's exciting. Natalie, I think, is last, and so it's going to be really hard for her, and it's going to be great to see how it all comes together. And uh, so can we just give your missions pastor, Dave Rowe, a hand tonight and give him some honor for all the work he does for us? All right. Well, it's good to be here this evening with you. I've got to get all my stuff together here. I think I'm planning something, but anyway, it's good. Um, I just want to let you know, too, some of the things that uh, we're going to be looking at doing while we're down in Haiti. Um, it's kind of, if, if any of you have been to Haiti, sometimes you know that things shift on the fly there in rapid succession, and what you think you're doing one minute may change, and... 10 seconds, and you're doing something completely different. And that's just the way that whole life is. But one of the things that we're excited about is um, the other three members, uh, there's a women's conference that's happening at the church that um, our mission director, Carla Maya Gilles, attend. It's happening that week, and they're working at that conference um, and uh, going to have the privilege of attending it and being a part of an exciting thing. And I get a chance to not go to a women's conference. Yay! No, actually, I'll be in and out of there, but I'm spending some time, and I really want you, I'm, I'm telling you this because I really want you to pray specifically for this. I get a chance to, they're going to be with Maya. Um, I'm going to be with her husband, Carl. Carl is a Haitian, and uh, he has got an incredibly heavy role that he plays in the Wesleyan Church's mission work in that country because he's from there. And uh, he just knows everything about Haiti. And I get a chance to spend uh, two solid days with him, picking his brain and his heart for the things that he sees Crosspoint, um, but not just Crosspoint, but the church globally uh, doing for um, Haiti and particularly for us uh, in the village of Coconut Island. And uh, so I get a chance to really spend some time. So, so here's what I'm asking. It's a prayer request. You can take it and write it down if you want or whatever you do best by way of remembering that I am able to ask the right questions to get the right answers that I want and that I know that God wants too, um, not just the ones that I want to hear. Uh, for us moving forward with our partnership with this village, not just the church but with the village as a whole, and um, when we go to Coconut Island, we'll be interacting with, this is not a work team, so we're not going to be doing any major physical labor, um, but we're going to be actually interacting with the village and this community as a whole, not just in the center, but we're actually going to get a chance to go visit some of the homes that are up in the mount mountains that surround uh, the, the village center. So really excited about that, and, and we're really needing, and I told them this in my last email, that we really need to have very clear direction on specific um, relational things, um, interacting with people individually. Uh, and so that's what we're really going to be targeting for. So now you know what we're doing this trip down, okay? Keep in mind, 
it can change like that. So I just want you to know, but will you pray with me on that and just kind of seek and ask God's spirit to be heavy in that, to direct us clearly on what he has for us, okay? I know we've asked that before, but man, I get a chance to really spend some time, some quality time with him and with some of the community leaders. So this is going to be good. It's going to be really good. Okay. Um, Do you know what portion of scripture we're in tonight? What book are we in? Matthew, good, good. It's, it's, it's in there twice. It's in Matthew and Luke. We're going to be in the one in Matthew, right? So you can get your device out and make it go to the book of Matthew, or you can get your Bible and you can uh, flip pages. Huh? This is good. Um, and uh, you can find the book of Matthew, and you can go to chapter 6. That's where we're going to wind up being in uh, this evening. And it's really kind of a, um, this whole series that we're dealing with, Mark said it's going to be really neat to see how all of these things kind of shake out for each one of us as staff members, and it just re-emphasizes the fact that when we read the scripture individually, it can come across right on exactly the same or completely different from the person sitting next to you, but that's how God works in his people, and he will open the scriptures up. I mean, obviously, there are some things in there that everybody will say, yep, that's exactly what it says. Jesus was born in the manger. Yep, it was. It's what happened, right? I mean, that's exactly what it is. But when God's spirit begins to work in our lives individually, the portion of scripture that we are dealing with or reading through on our own or collectively as a family may have different meaning to each one of us in very specific ways relating to our own personal lives and our life interacting with God, right? Can you testify to that? A few of you can, amen. Okay, that's good. But that's how we see it, and I'm really excited about what uh, we're looking at. And so I was listening to Jamie, and I was going to walk up here and say, everything Jamie just said, and then say, let's close in prayer, okay? I mean, that's, that, it could have been good that way, right? But then I'd be looking for a new job. So anyway, i just letting you know that that's not going to happen. Um, I've been, I knew that I was going to be doing this uh, for a little while, so I've been praying and asking God, just show me somehow something different from all of the others that will be speaking on this portion of Scripture that will be good for me, most importantly, but also something that you can grab a hold of and that you can chew on for a bit, and it can be uh, something that you can interact with in your own personal life. And I believe that that's uh, God's faithfulness showing that uh, happening in each one of our lives, and I know He does that because I can testify to Him answering the, those prayers for us to do it. So let me just jump in with this here and let you know that um, Jesus prayed quite a bit. And in the scriptures, as you read through it, uh, particularly in the New Testament, which deals with his life, uh, the prayers of Jesus that he prayed gives us an insight into his nature, lets us know a little bit about that. It lets us know a little bit and gives us an insight to his heart and into his specific mission on this earth. And the prayers of Jesus also inform and they also encourage us in our own prayer lives, or at least they should. That would be a good thing to have happen. Far more important, though, the thing that I want you to catch with the whole idea of Jesus praying a lot through the Scripture, um, more than where he prayed, more than when he prayed, or in what position he prayed, or how long he prayed. Anybody pray in different positions other than on your knees? You want to know what my best favorite position is? Horizontal. (laughs) Just letting you know. I don't know. Anyway, it's kind of neat that way, but... Far more important than any of those things is that he prayed. That's the fact that covers and overshadows all of those is that he actually prayed. 
And so I want you to understand that. And not only that, but to realize that prayer was an integral part in Jesus' time on earth. And he prayed quite regularly. If you do your study and you look in the scripture, you find that he did it many times. And we have many of them recorded. Jesus even prayed on the cross. Think about that one for a minute. Many times he prayed on the cross. And in the middle of all that pain and agony that he was enduring at that time, Jesus prayed for the forgiveness of those who were torturing him to death. Take a look at Luke chapter 23, verse 34. This is what it says. Father, so right there, he's automatically starting out, just like the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, he's going, Father. And then he says in there, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And so Jesus is praying and interacting with his heavenly father even while this was going on. Many people, though, misunderstand the Lord's Prayer to be a prayer that we're supposed to memorize word for word and recite it just exactly the way it's supposed to be, especially in the King James Version, right? Because that's what Jesus spoke, the King's English. <laughs> right? Okay. Not really. But anyway, that's what it is, and that's what we were taught, word for word. It had to be something like that. And some people even treat the Lord's Prayer as uh, maybe some magic formula, as if those words themselves have some specific hocus-pocus power or influence with God. True, true. I mean, that's really what it is. I've, I've been around certain individuals that have spoken that way, and I'm not putting them down nor digging at them. I'm just letting you know that that's the mindset of some people uh, out there, but the Bible teaches the opposite of that. And hear me when I say this, just for a moment. God is far more interested in our hearts when we pray than the words that we pray. Okay? Are you with me on that? And so it's how we come to the Lord, the attitude that we come to the Lord, and that we take with our heart in bringing these requests to the Lord, and it's good to praise Him as well, for answered prayer or for just other things that are going on. It's the intent of our heart that, that he's more uh, interested in. It really is. And so we need to understand that. And so to land on this, we, one of the things that Jamie kind of set the stage for was helping us understand the purpose and, uh, of, of why we have the Lord's Prayer and what it was for and so on. And, and uh, it was really good. It was a great, great message last week by Pastor Jamie. And so... Um, let me just uh, steal a little bit from it and just let you kind of um, be reminded of the purpose of the Lord's Prayer. The purpose of, of this particular prayer was given as a lesson in how to pray, okay? Jesus is teaching. It's, it's the Sermon on the Mount. If you go back a, little, a couple chapters in, in Matthew, you can begin to see all of the things that he was covering during his time with all these people and his disciples. And it's such, really, when you think about it, and when you look at the words, it's such a simple model that it blows away all of those high and mighty thoughts about prayer and how many $50 deep theological-sounding words can I squeeze into a prayer. Um, I'm being sarcastic, I know. But when you think about it, it was very simple. And it was taught in a suitable form of language so that everyone that was listening could understand it. It was pretty clear. And it illustrates to anybody that was hearing it at the time uh, that it is in a simple and in a direct manner of speaking that we can call on our Heavenly Father. It's pretty simple when you look at, you know, how he presented it to all those that were listening. And in this particular model prayer, if you will, Jesus teaches us to approach God 
as, number one, our father. Because it starts out that way, our father. So whose father? Ours, mine, yours. Okay, so how to approach our father and to give honor to God's name, kind of like what Jamie had said last week, and to pray God's will, right? And to ask for daily provision. And along with that, forgiveness. We'll come back on that one in just a moment. And also spiritual protection is in there as well. So it's a pretty simple model, and it covers a lot of things, pretty important things in, one, in one's life. And I want you to understand that you may have learned these words a long time ago when you were very young. I did. I can remember it. Um, what was it called? Whirlybirds and Jet Cadets. I mean, that is way back there. I wasn't Wesleyan at the time, okay? So I had not seen the light at that point. So anyway, just letting you... Just letting you hang out there for a minute. But anyway, it's, it's, it's something that we may have learned a long time ago when we were kids. And we need, really, in understanding that, a whole lifetime that God has given us to fill that particular prayer and all the things that are in it with meaning. And then we take that meaning into eternity to help us realize the answers. So you see, it's a simple prayer, but it covers the whole life of a person. And so, with that in mind, I want you to know that thinking about the very young, I, you want to know who my most favorite people are to pray? Kids. I, I'm not a kids pastor. I don't want to be a kids pastor. <laughs> I was a youth pastor. That was rough enough. I raised two of my own kids. Again, rough enough. It was great. It was fantastic. But I love it when kids pray. And I loved the times that my wife and I, I can remember as they were coming up, that we would kind of teach them how to pray and do all the little kid things. And God bless mommy and daddy. Say that again, daddy especially. God bless Grammy and Grampy, you know, all, all of the things, right? Teaching them how to pray. And so, because I love it so much, I want you to love it with me. So watch this. Heavenly Father, why do drafts look so funny? Thank you for preparing horses on the earth. Please bless the mic guys to be good so they'll be resurrected. Please help me to never go to the dentist. Thank you for Grandpa's birthday. Bless that I can eat apples without my front tooth. Thank you for all the doggies. Thank you for that haircut. Please help Christmas to come soon. Thank you for the baby's haircut. Thankful for my cat that lets me dress him in my clothes. Thank you for Jesus' haircut. Please help us to have pancakes in the morning. Please bless the toothache and come. Please protect us from big hungry sharks, tsunamis and lightning, vampires, fires and tornadoes, and mean fish in the ocean like piranhas. Please bless me not to grow a beard. Please bless that the girls won't try to kiss me at recess anymore. Please bless for me to not get cold this Christmas. Thank you for kitties. Please tell Jesus to bring the dinosaurs back again. Please bless I can sail my toys with my sister. Please bless that the Tyrannosaurus Rexes will come back to eat off the bad guys. Please bless that we won't crash when we're driving. Please help me to be more grateful when you bless me. I'm thankful for this beautiful world that Jesus has created for us to live on. Thank you for loving us, even though we make mistakes. Please bless that my family can be together forever. Please help me to feel bad when I make a mistake. 
Please help me to be a better big brother. Please bless the poor, even though we don't know who they are. And we know that the spirits in our home are kind and nice. Please bless me to see others as you see them. Please bless I can read the scriptures even though I'm little. Please bless me with more trials because I know that's how I grow. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not bad. I kind of like it. I really do. And that being said, I want to spend the rest of our time in this prayer looking at all the ways we can ask Jesus to bring the T-Rexes back, to eat all the bad people. So those are fun. They really are. But no, seriously, um, I want to look at our lives and to seek God's help uh, in navigating life because when you think about it, there is so much life in a prayer, especially this one. And I think it's important for us to understand these things. So when we think about all of these things, it's important for us to recognize that we as followers of Jesus are living as an example of the kingdom of God uh, coming to a lost and a broken world, which really, if, if you just take a look for five minutes, uh, this world really isn't focused on grace and mercy very much. And... Uh, when you think about grace and mercy that he has given us, God has given us, through his son, Jesus Christ, Jesus was given to the world to come and to set it right and to fix all the brokenness, okay, for God's glory. And that's the reason why we have Jesus and why we have forgiveness is because of all of these things here. And because of what Jesus accomplished by giving his life on the cross for each and every one of us here in this room, each and every individual that's alive on this planet today, in the past and in the future, we can live in his forgiveness and in turn show that to anybody who has wronged us. And so that's where we're going to pour into this week. And as you know, last week Jamie gave us the uh, in his sermon early on, that we're to begin in this prayer by giving honor to God. And where I want to build on it is about God's kingdom that's already being established through his church and seen by a broken world. Not our kingdom. Okay? It's his kingdom. Right? In the, in the, in the prayer it says, your kingdom come. Not mine. Not Dave Rose. Your will be done. Not Dave Rose. God's will. Okay? And along with that, it, we need to get out of the way so that the world can see him living through our lives. And we can find this in this simple little prayer. Now, there's a song that I heard. Now, knowing that we were given enough time way back when we were putting this series together that we could start working on the, the sermon that God was going to give to us, because we had the portion of Scripture... We knew what we were going to be talking about. I was like, all right, I got this. So I started a while ago. A few weeks back, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was, I heard a song. And uh, just happened to be going by um, one of the rooms in our house, and the music was blaring, and this song came on. It's by the group Love and the Outcome. Anybody ever heard of them? Okay, they're really good. I, I like them. And the song that they were singing is entitled, If I Don't Have You. And it started early, and I'm like, oh, that's a catchy little tune. And then not too far into it, 
I'm going to share with you just a few of the lyrics. Now, I'm not going to sing them for you, okay, because I know my gifting, <laughs> and that's not it. But I want to share just a few of the lyrics that kind of jumped out at me. And right early on in this song, it says, how can I build your kingdom if I'm building my own? So I'm like, did I just hear what I thought I heard? So I listened a little further, and not too far beyond that, it says, how can you be my future if I've made this my home, meaning the world? And then later on in the, in the song, it says, how can I surrender and never let go? And I'm like, all right, I see where you're heading with this, Lord. And so I said, if this is something that you really want me to share that's in my heart, you're going to need to really help me break this apart uh, and help me understand why this is happening. And a few other things happened throughout uh, the weeks leading up to uh, where we are tonight. Everything about who we are as Christians, our words, our actions, they've got to be a reflection of him in us. The world has got to see that. People have got to see that. Whether they know Jesus or not, they've got to see that reflection happening in our lives. And what I might say is this, and I pose this to you, is what is in our hearts will eventually come out. So what's deeply inside us is eventually going to come out and be seen by people, right? Now, I've been listening and reading to a lot of uh, people that have dealt with this particular subject, and a couple of them very specifically and very recently I've been listening to, and I'm going to share those names with you. Dr. Caroline Leaf, I don't know if any of you have heard of her or not. I know my wife has. She shared it with me, and Dr. David Levy. And these two people have uh, impacted me um, of recent time in, in many areas, specifically in dealing with how to switch on my brain. That's a book that they wrote, or she wrote, Dr. Leaf wrote. And uh, really good stuff. But man, there are so many things that are shared in their study and research that deal with our lives just in general, that it's good to get connected into it. And so understanding these things, there, um, I was just recently listening to a podcast where the two of them, Dr. Leaf is interviewing Dr. Levy, and it had to deal with the subject of forgiveness and unforgiveness. And that's where we're going to focus on tonight, that portion of scripture or that verse that covers those two words. And I'm like, man, I want to pick apart everything that they have. I want to read and understand what you're trying to say to me, God, uh, through this. Why is this standing out so much to me? And let me just share this with you. There is so much that I've been exposed to in their research and in their study and in their teaching and real-life examples that they have shared and other people that I've talked to in their real-life examples of forgiveness and unforgiveness that if I were to share it all, we'd be here until Wednesday when I needed to leave you and get on the plane and go to Haiti. There's so much that I was like, there's too much, God. you got to help me break this down and really help me understand the things that I need to learn from this and that I'm going to share with you folks tonight. But I won't take that time, all that time to do it, so you can breathe a little easier on that. Let me share a few of these insights about why I feel it is such a beneficial component of this particular teaching from Jesus about forgiveness and unforgiveness. Let's read the portion of Scripture that deals with this prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, we're going to pick up in verse 9. And we're going to read through um, verse 13. We're actually going to read it together, if that's okay, verses 9 through 13. And then I'm going to share 14 and 15 with you. So, do you have it? We're going to read together verses 9 through 13. Are you ready? 
think it's there. Okay, here we go. Read with me. And Jesus said, pray like this. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Okay, stop right there. Now let me just go on in verses 14 and 15 because as I was reading through this, I was like, all right, 14 and 15, why all of a sudden is he going back into what was in the middle of the prayer? There's got to be something connected to this. In verse 14 says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Think about all of those things that Jesus just said. Man, that is a mouthful. It really is. And so it has something to do with our daily lives, with people that we come in contact with day in, day out, at work, at school, in the home, in church, wherever it might be. It doesn't matter where it is. We're going to come in contact with people, and this may be something that hits us. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Man, there was uh, some surveys done about a lot of... Uh, uh, information that was poured into people, and they said, just give us back a little bit of a clip on what would deal, what you would say about forgiveness. And many of the Christians, it was a survey given to Christians, many Christians uh, kind of came up with this, and they could, com, kind of connected them all together and put this statement together. Forgiveness is the fundamental condition of the reconciliation of the children of God with their Father and of humans with one another. That's about a $50 deep theological mass of words, right? It really is. But it says a lot. Forgiveness is the fundamental condition of the reconciliation of the children of God with their Father and of humans with one another. So also my Heavenly Father will do to every one of you, like it's said up here, if you forgive those that sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. If you don't, forgive your brother from your heart. Okay, it says something about our heart. All of these things here are an example of us to get help in knowing that Jesus is going to help us with this and that every Christian can forgive his or her enemies. So with me stating that jumble of words right there, you might be saying, no, it's not that easy. I agree with you. To forgive somebody, not necessarily is that easy, right? Are you with me? It's not easy. It really isn't. And Dr. David Levy went on to say it isn't that easy. In fact, it's very hard, and it affects us in more ways than just in our mind. It affects us in our heart. It affects us in our spirit. It affects us physically when we do these things, when we have unforgiveness in our lives. It affects us all over. And Dr. David Levy and Dr. Caroline Leaf, and I know I'm referencing them a lot, but I'm going to just kind of break through and finish off with them and leave them. I want to share with you how they have a little bit of um, clout in what they say. Dr. David Levy is one of the world's top neurosurgeons. In other words, he goes inside this thing up here, right? Like literally goes in and does surgery. Dr. Caroline Leaf is a cognitive neuroscientist. That's a $100 word, okay? Cognitive neuroscientist. 
And her specialty is in quantum physics, which deals with the minute little things dealing with the brainy thingies. That's really technical, okay? Coming from me, it's really technical. So I'm just letting you know those things that are happening. But Dr. David Levy said something. He said, forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt someone for hurting me. It's pretty simple when it comes that way, but let's break that apart. Forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt someone for hurting me. It feels very just that I should be able to exact out of someone else or make them responsible or make them pay for what it has cost me. It's such a common theme in our society. We've got to do something to get back at that person for them wronging me or doing something there or, or causing something to, to become uh, a wrong in my life. And what it's doing is it's stealing our joy. And I believe Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he was teaching us to pray for specific times. Not necessarily for just this moment here, to bring this to a highlight, but it's good for us to recognize that he knows what he's talking about. Forgive those just like you've been forgiven. Forgive those that have wronged you because God has forgiven you for your wrongs. Okay, and it's in this, it's in this prayer. It's unbelievable how it just jumped out at me. We should be enjoying all the goodness of life and all the gifts and everything that we have, but we can't enjoy it when we have unforgiveness because we're so consumed with the desire for retribution and payback. And no way am I forgiving you for that. Absolutely not. Looking for someone else to pay for what they did to us because there is, um, there is so much building up in us, okay? Uh, when we have unforgiveness in our lives, envy begins to creep in and jealousy and negativity. You ever been around someone that you know, or maybe in your life, maybe you've experienced it, where they, you know they have had unforgiveness in their life, and they're some of the most negative people I know. I've been there. I've been that way. It happens to every one of us. We're not immune to it. I'm in that group. It's unbelievable. And what it does is that begins to manifest in our life, and it comes out of us. And it makes us so angry. So it's not easy to forgive. I agree. I agree with that. And it's hard to do when we think about, okay, the Scripture's telling me, Jesus is telling me, God is telling me, I have to forgive them. It's hard to do even just one time. Think about the one that wrongs you with the same thing over and over and over again. And they break you down emotionally and spiritually and physically. And we're supposed to forgive those things? Very difficult. It's hard to do it. But there's always a tremendous blessing that you'll get by trusting God to help you forgive. Notice it's not us that has to do it on our own. God can help us forgive. He knows how to forgive. He of all knows exactly what it is when someone wrongs them over and over again. Look at us with the sin in the world, in my life. And what did he do? He forgave us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to make that payment for that wrong. And then the scripture tells us that he forgives us. And we can, we can trust that. God can help us forgive. And forgiveness 
I want to talk about just for a minute too. When you look at forgiveness, you have to go to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness can make you angry. It's true. Been there. And a lot of times we don't even really know what we're angry about or who we're angry with. Because we know that there has been an injustice that has occurred, we haven't got what we needed or the encouragement that we wanted to get. And so we focus all of that on people that are wronging us. But in this, there needs to be forgiveness. And I want, I want to share an analogy with you that I hope will bring it home to you. And this analogy is kind of something that these guys have done research on and others as well, that they say that bitterness and resentment that comes with unforgiveness, can you give me a testimony to the fact that bitterness and resentment comes with unforgiveness? Yeah. Well, it's like this. Hang on just a minute. If I were to tell you that in that thermos I just poured out a poison, a liquid poison. Okay, you with me? You got the picture? They say that bitterness and resentment comes from unforgiveness. And it's like a poison that you drink, but you hope the other person dies. It's just water. Pretend it was a poison, okay? So I just drank a poison of bitterness and resentment through the unforgiveness that I have from, say, Mark. Say, you, you did it. You did it. And I'm not going to forgive you. And so I just drank that poison. Now you're going to die because I drank the poison. How you doing over there? Didn't affect you at all. Who's it hurting? It's hurting me. Now, if I were to keel over and die because of that poison, then you would know. And it is. It is hurting me. And if you get an apology from the one that wronged you, then forgiveness is much easier, right? But the problem is most of us never get that apology, which is the problem that we get. But God tells us to forgive anyway. Unforgiveness causes resentment. It causes you to think that you're hurting the person, but in reality what it's doing is it's hurting you and it's hurting the relationships around you, not just with the person that has wronged you. And by no means, he's not wronged me, okay? I don't want you to think that. Sorry, man. <laughs> but seriously, it's beginning to hurt those around you. It hurts every aspect of your life. It really is stealing the joy from your life. It can make you irritable. It can make you angry. And it can make you uncompassionate. You can't give what you don't have. Okay? You can't give compassion. There's no joy coming out of you to other people. Wounded people wound people. Hurting people hurt people. You with me? I've done it. I've done it to other people. But we need to check this out. We need to go way back and go deep into what Jesus is sharing with us. And understanding that God had compassion on mankind. He didn't have to forgive us for messing up way back. He doesn't have to forgive any of us 
in this room for messing up, but he does because he gave us the gift of forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. And God is the perfect example of compassion. Well, people will say, well, that's God. He can do that. I can't. Wait a minute. Jesus just taught us how to pray. And in that, it said, forgive us, just like we've forgiven those who've wronged us. And so we need to know that those things are there. One of the biggest blocks to physical healing, not just our emotional and our spiritual and our relational side, but our physical side as well. In that whole aspect where we're looking at there is that this has a big impact on our physical being too. And it really does. There has been research done and it is being done today and they're making inroads on it that it is uh, inhibiting the body to actually be able to heal because of harboring unforgiveness in our lives and harboring that hate and resentment and anger to someone. It happens. It's there. The research is there. It shows it. It proves it. And I know it makes me feel horrible. I, I almost get that burning, upset stomach drink, Pepto-Bismol or whatever, to calm my stomach down when I have that in me, right? I know that it affects me in a big way. And it is fast becoming the number one thing to do, decrease our immune systems. Research is showing the connection this. But rarely is there a day that goes by that potentially we could have somebody who has wronged us and may need forgiveness. I want to share a portion of Scripture with you and an example of something that um, I heard that I thought, man, that, that kind of fits with what we're looking at tonight. I was wondering, when, when we have the Lord's Prayer and we're reading down through it, sometimes he uses debts. Sometimes it uses the word trespasses. The one I shared with you, sin, okay? It's there. And so I kind of Googled and I did a little bit of research in a concordance as well and found out that, you know, why is there three different words? Are they all different? Well, no, they all pretty much have the same meaning, okay? It just happens to be the way that they were interpreted and put in there by whoever wrote that portion of Scripture. But when you deal with sin, it's talking about iniquity. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go a little further with this study and find out about it. So let me share this with you. Iniquity in the Hebrew is actually another form for sin. And when you look at the word iniquity in the Hebrew, it also means the twisting. Okay? The twisting. So you understand the word twisting, you can, you can twist the truth, you can twist rope, you can twist, you, you get it, right? But in, in the example of the Hebrew, iniquity or sin, if you will, is interpreted loosely as the twisting. So when you take a look at it this way, you can say no longer do you see things clearly, you see everything twisted and out of focus. Now if you go back and you study in uh, the Old Testament a little bit, there's a guy by the name of Daniel. Many of you have heard of him. Remember Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all those guys? Daniel was known to be an interpreter of dreams. And with that in mind, along with it, the actual meaning of that is that he was an untangler of knots. So untangler of knots and twisted rope, there's a connection. And you might be saying, now you're stretching things. No, 
This is actually how the Hebrew work and how it all goes through it. And so it deals with a lot of those things that are kind of tied together. And uh, when you look at the knot, um, it also is explained as iniquity in there because it twists things up. Okay, so you take a piece of rope and you twist it together like this and it forms a, a knot, right. And if I were to pull on that knot really tight, okay, if I pull on that knot really tight, what it does is it begins to become very difficult to untangle, okay? What if I had somebody's life in between this knot and began to squeeze it off? It hurts. I'm pulling on my thumb, and that really hurts, okay? And it's turning purple and all of these things. It sounds, you know, it's kind of humorous, but think about it. When we have unforgiveness, sin, iniquity, and we tie that knot tight, and we keep tightening that knot, and keep tightening that knot, and cutting off the circulation, it wasn't joyful. We're cutting off the joy in that we're cutting it off from the person that we're holding that unforgiveness from. And so you see the importance of why Jesus said in this portion of Scripture, in the prayer, where he said, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Who's the best example of forgiving? Jesus is, right? Because of what he did. The story in Matthew chapter 18 about the uh, unforgiving servant and the debt that was being paid out. The king called in this servant in the kingdom and he said, you owe me millions of dollars. I want you to pay up or you're going to jail. And to briefly explain it, the, the servant said, great king, I can't do it. Please have mercy on me. And the king had mercy on him and he released him. And he said, not only are you free to go, but I forgive your entire debt. Well, then the servant went out a little later on, he found, well, immediately it says, and he found another servant in the kingdom who owed him a thousand dollars, we'll say. Not as much as he owed the king, but he owed him a thousand dollars and he grabbed him by the throat and he choked him. And he said, pay it now. And the servant said, friend, I can't, I don't have it, but please, please just let me go. I'll, I'll get the money. And, and the first servant said, no way, and had him thrown in prison for it. The portions of scripture that I want to share with you are at the end of it. And I want to jump into that teaching because Jesus is sharing that as well. It's a little later on in Matthew chapter 18, verse 31. It says these words, when some of the other servants saw this happen, the first servant that was forgiven, throwing this other servant in jail and not forgiving the debt, they were very upset and they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man that had been first forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servants just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid the entire debt. That is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters. What's the last three words? From your heart. I'm going to put the word my in there. From my heart. Listen, I believe that's why that's there. It's simple for me, and I'm a simple guy. 
And it's important for us to know these things. Don't just glibly pray because you think it's the right thing to do. Act on the prayer. Shouldn't we be doing that? I want to encourage you in just the few moments that we have left that if there is in your life maybe unforgiveness, maybe you're harboring that unforgiveness, maybe you need to check that. There's no maybes about it, according to the scripture. You need to check that. Is it easy? No. Do we have to do it alone? No. Just said God will help us. We can do this. And if there is that, I don't know how it'll work out for you. I don't know. But I know that we can do this together with God. I know that we can do this together with the family. I know we can do it. And I think that we would be in a better way if we challenged that unforgiveness in our life and gave it to God and said, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your help. And then let's just see what God can do through this. Are you with me? Let me pray for you. Father, I don't know how to pray for us except that we need your help. And so, Father, the fact that this simple prayer lets us know that everything in life is available to us if we just seek you. God, it is a model for us to give you honor and to pray for your will in our lives. Your will is that we would not harbor unforgiveness, but that we would forgive those who have sinned against us just like you forgave us because we sinned against you. And God, we know this prayer also provides for our daily provision. It provides for forgiveness. It provides for spiritual protection. I believe this day, Lord, is a day that we need spiritual protection because the enemy is the one who wants to hold us in bondage and make it very difficult for us to live this prayer out. But there's so much life in this prayer. And so I pray, God, that each one of us that are here tonight each one of us that will gather this weekend, that you would help reveal to us, Lord, what it is that you have for us to do and how to do it. Lord, may we be honoring and pleasing in how we do these things that you've called us to do. Father, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you. I pray your blessing on each one here tonight, God, and I ask that you would just continue to speak your presence into each one's life. In Jesus' name.